Well, good morning, Glad Tidings. God is good. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, as we continue our series, Near and Far. We are exploring the conversations that Jesus had with those who were near him and those who were far away. And today we're going to look at a very simple, well-known story about a woman who touched God. About a woman who touched God. You know, every, everything we do in our services is to help you to touch God. If you leave church this morning and you say, wow, what a sermon, then we have failed in our mission. If you leave today and go, wow, the music, amazing, we have failed in our mission. If you walk out and go, man, that's the most diverse church in Omaha, we have failed in our mission. But if you walk away saying, wow, I met Jesus today in a powerful way, we have accomplished our mission. We have to keep church vertical. It's first vertical. Okay? Listen, the world can outspeak us, it can outperform us, but it can't outpower us. We just have to give Jesus center stage and touch him. And so I want to talk to you about touching Jesus today. Mark chapter 5. Verse 24, let's have a look at it, and let's read it. It says, So Jesus went with him, a large crowd followed, and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. How many of you can identify with that? When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. That's my prayer this morning, that some of you this morning are going to be freed from your suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. You know, when I first read that, I thought, when's the last time I felt God's power go out from me? The Bible says he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? You see all the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. One of the things that I immediately notice after reading this passage, and you probably see it as well, is that many were in the presence of Jesus that day. Many were in the presence of Jesus that day, but only one was changed by his power. The Bible says that a large crowd followed and they pressed against him. Another verse, and uh, I I think it's in Luke's gospel, says that the crowds were crushing him. How many of you ever been to a rock concert? My wife raised her hand. Don't judge her. Right? And what happens is, is when, when those celebrities or those artists, they come off the stage or whatever, people just crowd around, they press, they crush, right? And so there's security guards keeping them away. That's why we have security guards here, to keep you from crushing me. Right? 
They were pressing, they were crushing, they were coming that close to Jesus. You see, there will always be crowds around Jesus. Always. There are crowds every Sunday morning and in churches all across the city. Crowds of people around Jesus. Does Jesus care about the crowds? Yeah, he cares about them. Remember what he told the disciples about the crowds one day? He said, don't send the crowds away. Feed them. Jesus fed the crowds, but he only changed individuals. Jesus doesn't change crowds. Didn't do it. He's, he never healed the crowds. He never changed the, he never saved the crowds. He fed them, but he never changed them because he only changes individuals. The crowds in this story tell us that you can be near Jesus, but far from change. You can be near Jesus, but far from change. That means you can come to church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. You can be in the presence of Jesus, but never be changed by his power. Many were in the presence of Jesus, but only one that day was changed by his power. Why? Because only one person touched him. How did she touch him? She touched him with her faith. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Not you touched my clothes and you were healed. Your faith has healed you. So what does this faith that touches God, what does it look like? What does it look like? Oddly enough, faith begins with suffering. Faith begins with suffering. Suffering, what it does is it it pushes us, it pushes us or it draws us to search for a greater reality. Suffering causes us to search for a greater reality than what we're currently experiencing. This woman, the Bible says that she suffered for 12 years. 12 years. That's 4,380 days. She spent all she had. She spent all she had trying to get better. Instead of growing better, the Bible says she grew worse. So what do you do when things go from bad to worse? What do you do when you're suffering and you've explored all of your options? What do you do? You go to God with faith. You go to God with faith because that's all you have left. Brian Johnson. uh, Many of you know him, a famous worship leader. With Bethel Worship Ministry, he went through about a year ago. He went through a uh, a mental breakdown, a mental breakdown, and he said this: "Consider it a gift when God is your only option. Consider it a gift when God is your only option. No health insurance, right? No Medicare, no Medicaid, no government assistance. This woman had none of that. All she had was Jesus." She had run out of options. The King James Version says that she was plagued for 12 years. Another translation, she was afflicted for 12 years. She suffered for 12 years with this hemorrhage. Because of the hemorrhage, no doubt she was anemic. She was weak. She could not work. She was broke. She could not get a job. She didn't have the energy. And because of her bleeding, she was also ceremonially unclean. The Old Testament law 
stated that if a woman had an issue of blood, a flow of blood, whether it was her monthly period or whether it was after childbirth or a hemorrhage of some sort, she was considered unclean until that bleeding stopped. So this woman for 12 years was ceremonially unclean, which meant she could not touch another human being and another human being could not touch her. Imagine being untouched for 4,380 days. Untouched by another person. Can you imagine how alone and isolated she felt? Socially, socially, she was bankrupt. She had no social life, but she also did not have a spiritual life. She was unclean, and because of that, she could not go into the temple and worship God. Back in this day, spiritual life revolved around the building, the temple. And if you were going to worship God or if you're going to pray, you would go to the temple to worship God and to pray and to offer sacrifice. Because of her condition, she was not permitted to draw near to the presence of God. With no health, no money, no friends and no presence of God, she no doubt felt far from God. Far from God without any hope of change. Because of her condition, she lived in a separated and isolated life. Some of you today feel very, very alone, very isolated. You feel far from the presence of God. You feel far from people. You are alone. You are suffering. You've been suffering for a long, long time. And it's like this private suffering. Everybody can see the tip of the iceberg. Thank you for that illustration last week, Carrie. They can all see what's above the surface. They can see the tip of the iceberg in your life. That's all they see. But 80% of your life is unseen. And it's a life of quiet, isolated suffering. And there may be people who don't even know about it. Jesus is talking to you today. He's talking to you today. How many of you know the miracle is not in the preaching? The miracle is in the hearing. So my prayer today is not for my preaching, although it needs prayer. Please pray. My prayer is that we would hear what God is saying, not what Walt is saying. Some of you, you're like this woman and God is your only option today. And you've you've exhausted all other options, all other resources You've spent money, you've gone to AA, you've gone to all of the recovery things. You thought you had that addiction shaken off and and it's back. And you're like, what's next? You thought you dealt with the, the pain of your past, but it seems to come back and you're still dealing with it. Maybe you've tried to medicate your condition, you're still suffering. You've tried counseling, and I I encourage great counseling. Don't come to me, but get great counseling. But you've gone to counseling, and that doesn't seem to help. You've got an accountability partner, but but that doesn't seem to work. You've even tried church and the prayer meetings, and it just doesn't seem. You're still in this place of suffering. And you're asking yourself, how long will I suffer? How long? Some of you... You're in the presence of Jesus. But listen to me. You're bleeding to death. You're bleeding to death. 
Will you reach out and touch Jesus with your faith today? I want to encourage you. Your miracle may be a lot closer than you think. You've been suffering for 4,380 days, but day number 4,381 has arrived. And something happened. Happened that day. She heard something. She thought something. And she did something. I want you to look at this with me. First thing is she heard something. The Bible says she heard about Jesus. Another translation says she heard the stories about Jesus. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. She had no gospels to read. What did she hear? She heard stories about what Jesus had already been doing. A couple chapters earlier in the book of Mark, we read this in Mark 3 verse 10. For he had healed many. She heard this. For he had healed many so that those with many diseases were pushing forward to touch him. She heard that people were touching Jesus and they were healed. She heard stories about Jesus that built up faith within her. What else did she hear about Jesus? How many of you know the Old Testament is full of stories about Jesus? Prophecies. Prophecies pointing to Jesus saying, when Jesus comes, this is what he's like. And one of those stories about Jesus in the Old Testament is found in Malachi chapter 3 verse 2. And it says this, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Interpretation, when the Messiah arises or when the Messiah comes, he will have healing in his wings. She heard Malachi chapter 3 verse 2. She heard there is healing in his wings. What does that mean? I didn't know Jesus had wings, right? Is he like Batman or something? What's going on? Every devout Jew was required to attach four tassels to the four corners of his outer garment. Every devouted male Jew, four tassels on the four corners of his garment. And those tassels represented the word of God. Jesus was a devout Jew. How many of you know that's true? Right? He was a devout Jew and he had those tassels on the corners of his garments. And when Jesus would walk, those tassels would bounce. They'd bounce like wings. What were his wings? Those tassels on the corners of his garment. They were called tzitzit. Those were the tassels on the corners of his garment. And when she saw those, those wings, she said, there's healing in those wings. She said, I'm going to touch his wings today. Is that a thought she just had, just came upon her just suddenly? No, it wasn't a random thought. The Bible says she heard something and then she thought something. What did she, what did she think? The, uh, the Greek behind that word, she thought, is, is, is the idea that she not just had this random thought and thought this thought one time. It was something she kept thinking over and over and over again. Some translation says she said to herself. Some say she thought to herself. The idea is she kept thinking, she kept saying, she kept thinking, she kept saying, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. She had this thought. See, faith comes by hearing 
and hearing the word of God. It begins there. I heard these stories about Jesus. I heard, I heard Malachi 3, 2. There's healing in his wings. Then it begins with this thinking about it. She thought to herself, well, because there's healing in his wings, I could touch his wings and I could be healed. I could touch his wings and I could be healed. I could touch his wings and I could be healed. Not a one time. Let's give this Jesus a try today. It was something she meditated on over and over and over and over again. And then the opportunity came for the point of contact. See, your faith has to, it begins with hearing, then it goes to thinking, and then it goes to doing. There's a point of contact that your faith has to have. See, for, for, a, for a Jewish woman... To think like this was a whole new different way of thinking. For her to do something like this was a whole different way of doing. Because for a Jewish woman, the idea was don't touch. Especially under this condition. Especially with her condition. She'd always been, she'd heard all her life, all her life, don't touch if you're unclean. Don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. Now she's saying, if I could only touch. If you're going to be changed by the power of Jesus, you have to think differently about Jesus. She thought all of her life, she was told all of her life, don't touch this, don't touch that, don't let anybody touch you, don't touch a rabbi, don't touch a man, don't touch. And now she keeps saying to herself, if I could just touch, I will be healed. If I could just touch, I'm going to touch, I'm going to break the law, (laughs) I'm going to push through barriers. She did something, verse 27. She heard something. She thought something. She did something. And it says here that she came up behind him in the crowd. Why did she come up behind him? Why did she come face on with him? The Bible says she came up behind Jesus, right? She had this condition. She wasn't supposed to be pushing her way through the crowd. She wasn't supposed to be touching anybody, let alone a rabbi. So she came secretly behind and she touched him from behind, the Bible says. Can I tell you that women in that culture, they had to fight for nearness to God. They had to fight for nearness. Women in that culture, they were not considered equal to men in the sight of God. In that culture, weren't considered equal. They had to fight for nearness. There was even a place in the temple called the court of women. They couldn't go beyond this other court. They had to fight for nearness with God. And we see, we see women fighting for nearness all through the Gospels. They were the last ones at the cross. They were the first ones at the tomb. They poured lavish gifts on him. They fought for nearness. And can I tell you, Jesus fought to be near them as well. And he broke down those, he broke down those walls of gender prejudice. And he declared in so many words, he declared in so many words that that women can have the right, the same access to God as men. Can I tell you, you have to fight for nearness. We know that the blood of Jesus brings us near to Jesus, right? And because we've been brought near through the blood of Jesus, now we fight for nearness. You see, my, my kids, my daughter, my two sons, Um, they are near me by blood. They're my flesh and blood. They are my sons and my daughter by blood. By the blood of Jesus, we are sons and we are daughters of God. 
Right? So we're near to Him in relationship. We have the DNA. We're sons and daughters. But that doesn't mean we're near Him. In our hearts, in our emotions, right? In our values. See, my kids, they'll always be my kids. And I hope they'll always be near me emotionally. Right? But they may not be. They may pull away. They may be, they may be, uh, they may go off and do their own thing. They may not call me every day. <laughs> right? I, I am a, I'm an adult. My parents are grown. I've been on our, my own. I've lived away from home for, uh, you know, about 25 years. And, and uh, you know, if I call my, my parents every couple months, you know, that's a pretty good thing. Some of you are judging me. Don't judge me. Uh, there, there's not a nearness there. I love them. I respect them. They're listening to me. I love you, Mom. You know, they're watching me right now. See? But we don't have that kind of close nearness. What would that take? Take a lot more time. It's a lot more energy, a lot more attention. See, whatever you are desperate to be near, you will fight for, you will go after. Whatever you are desperate to be near, if you're desperate to be near that degree, you'll go after that degree. If you're desperate to be debt-free in your life, right, with gazelle-like intensity, <laughs> you'll fight to be near debt-free. If, if you want to be near that special someone, how many of you know you'll fight for that? Amen. You'll fight. Somebody's excited about that. <laughs> I was 18, 19 years old. I wanted to be... I fought to be near this person here sitting on the front row, right? I fought to be near her. I thought, man, how can I get closer to her? I thought, well, I'll get engaged. That's what I'll do. I'll get engaged. That way we can get married and we'll always be near. We'll always be close. And I fought for that nearness. Back in that day, I was told if you want to get engaged, you got to work hard, you got to save your money, and you got to pay cash for an engagement ring. That's what I was told. I was told an engagement ring symbolizes commitment and sacrifice. Don't go out and borrow money. Don't go out and say, I'll go in debt for you. Is that, is that commitment? Is that sacrifice? Hardly. Because when you get married, whose debt's going to become? Her debt. I was told, no, you pay for that thing. You do whatever it takes. And so for two years, I lived on, I lived on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I wasn't, I wasn't, mama wasn't cooking for me. I was out on my own, paying all my own bills. Moved out the day after high school, the day after I graduated high school. I was on my own. But I fought to be near this person. I was willing to make sacrifices to be near this person. I was wishing, willing to push through barriers to be near this person. Push through the crowds to be near this person. You see, to be near God in that way, there, there's a pushing, there's a desperation. And, and whoever you're desperate to be near, you'll make sacrifices to be near. You'll push through to be near. She didn't wait for Jesus to draw near to her. She drew near to Him. She didn't wait for the altar call to come. She didn't wait for the condition to be just right where the crowd was gone. She didn't wait along the road and say, you know, I'm just going to stand here and wait. And if it's God's will for me to be healed, he'll stop the meeting. He'll call out my name in some way that doesn't embarrass me. He'll prophesy over me and then I'll be healed. She didn't wait for that. She knew that there was healing in his wings. And so she went for his wings. 
She was desperate to be near him. She had heard something. She thought something. So she did something about it. Maybe you've been waiting for God to touch you and God's waiting for you to touch him. Oh God, if you're God, just do what you want to do today. Just do what you want to do. I think God's getting tired of that. He's going to ask, start asking questions. What do you want? What do you want from me? Remember the guy who was blind? Blind Bartimaeus? Yeah, he's crying out. He's crying out. Jesus comes over. Jesus asks, what do you want? The guy's blind. Can't you tell Jesus? He wants to be healed. He said, no, what do you want? I want to see. What do you want this morning? What are you desperate for? You've been waiting for God to touch you, and God has been waiting for you to touch him, to touch him with your faith. She touched his clothes, and the Bible says immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Oh, God. Immediately this morning, some of you are going to be freed from your suffering. Immediately this morning, some of you are going to be freed from your, tuss- from your suffering. But it's not the crowd. It's the individual who pushes through the crowd, who pushes through the barriers, who demonstrates their faith with action. The Bible says that at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. No wonder Jesus was tired at night. (laughs) No wonder he had to go and put himself before the Father all night sometimes because he was empty. So we get this idea that, you know, Jesus, he was like the Energizer bunny or whatever, you know, just keeps on going and never runs out. This guy, every time he gave, every time he preached, every time he taught, every time he served, power was going out from him. And he realized immediately some power had left him. And then he turned around and he asked the most powerful question. He said, who touched me? Who touched me? He didn't ask, you know, how many were in in attendance today at church. He didn't ask if people laughed at his jokes. He didn't ask, did people feel welcome at Glad Tidings today? He asked the question, who touched me? And I believe this morning, church, God is asking us, who's going to touch me? We didn't come here to hear a nice little homily and go home and eat some lunch. We came here to touch God. We came here to connect with God in our service. That's why we're here. Someone's going to touch Jesus today. My question is, will it be you? Will it be you? What does it look like? What does it look like to touch Jesus with our faith? Remember the story about the Roman centurion whose servant was sick, was ill, and he came to Jesus and he said, my servant is, is ill, he's sick, he's dying. And Jesus said, well, I'll go over and I'll, I'll heal him. I'll touch him. And what did, the, what did the centurion say? What did he say to Jesus? No, 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 you don't need to come to my house. You don't need to touch him. Just say the word. And the Bible says that, that, that Jesus was so amazed. He said, I have not found this kind of faith in all of Israel. God was amazed by this man's faith. This man's faith did not require physical contact. He said to Jesus, just say the word. That's great faith. That's powerful faith. I don't know if many people live there. I think a few people live there. I think most people live in the place where they have to touch something. 
I think most people's faith needs a point of contact. That's why God gave the ministry of the laying on of hands. That's why those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What happens in that touch? Faith is demonstrated in that touch. Faith was demonstrated in her touch. If I could just touch, there was a point of release there. I don't understand how it all works, but there's something powerful about that. Some of you need a point of contact this morning in your touch of God. You need to do something. You need to touch something. You need to demonstrate your faith. I've heard something today. I'm thinking something today. I'm doing something today. So I'm preaching short so we can respond. We have 10, 15 minutes. And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you this question. What are you going to do in the next 10 or 15 minutes of this service? Nobody's dismissed. What are you going to do to demonstrate your faith? For starters, I think one of the most simple things you can do is you can press through the crowd and you can approach God's throne of grace with boldness and confidence, asking for help in time of need. What does that mean? That means I'm going to get out of my seat. I'm going to come to this altar. And that's going to be my my point of contact is going to be right here. It's going to be right here. I'll make a point of contact with Jesus right here. I'm going to push through. How many of you are desperate this morning? Who's desperate this morning to be touched? Who's desperate this morning to be cured from your suffering? You know, there's basically three kinds of suffering I see in the Bible. There's, they all start with a C. Yeah, come on up. They all start with C. There's Christian suffering, which we're promised to have as Christians. Persecution. Christian suffering. There's also carnal suffering. That's, the, that's suffering for the stupid things that we do. <laughs> the law of sowing and reaping, right? But then there's also this something of what I would call suffering from the curse. Okay? In other words, the fall of man. Sin. Sin brings a curse. That curse is death. It's sickness. It's disease. This woman was not suffering because she was a Christian. She was not suffering for something she had done stupid. She was suffering as a result of the curse. She had a disease in her body, an infirmity. Today, maybe there's, there's some healing you need in your emotions. There's some healing you need in your body. Something God needs to change, some suffering that you're experiencing, and God wants to change it. Many of you have already demonstrated your faith coming forward. This is my point of contact. If I could just, right now. Some of you need a physical touch. You need somebody to lay hands on you. And that's going to be the release of that faith. And I'm going to ask our prayer workers to come. And if that's you and you need that point of contact, they're going to pray with you. If you're kneeling at the altar, it's you and Jesus. Nobody's going to bother you. Nobody's going to pray for you. Nobody's going to touch you. Okay, you're touching Jesus. You're reaching out to him. Some of you need a point of contact. That's not lesser faith at all. This woman needed a point of contact. Some of you need somebody. You need, to, you need to take hands with somebody. You need to make contact and you need to pray with them. Some of you today, again, you're in the presence of Jesus, but you're bleeding to death. You're bleeding, you're bleeding, you're hurting inside. God, we thank you for this point of contact today. 
many, many individuals who are touching you right now, God. You are freeing many people right now in Jesus' name from their suffering. You're freeing them right now from their suffering. Tell Jesus, Jesus, I'm touching you. I'm touching you right now. I'm touching you with my faith. Jesus, I'm touching you because I've I've tried touching everything else. I've I've tried touching medicine. I've tried touching counseling. I've tried touching support groups. I've tried touching. I've tried so many things. But God, I'm I'm broke today. I'm spiritually broke. I I have no other options but you, God. You're my only option. And I'm touching you. Jesus, we say take center stage here this morning and do only what you can do. Free us, free us from our suffering. Heal us, heal us from our diseases.